This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. Start with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Start with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop bottles. Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship game. Cause I ball hard. Don't leave by harder. This is One Night Stand. Presented by SeatGeek. Use promo code UCFPROBLEMS for $20 off your purchase. What up, Night fans? It's Wednesday, January 22nd. On today's show, we talk about literally everything. A lot has happened since we last recorded for you guys. So we're going to do a bowl season recap, including our huge bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl win. And talk about some of the other bowl games too. We're going to take a ride on the coaching carousel. Dive into the almost renaming of Spectrum Stadium. Also, we talk about Joe Burrow winning the Heisman. And recap the national championship game a couple nights ago. And I'm here with... Money Moo UCF finishes the season at 10-3 with a bad boy mower bowl victory over Marshall who didn't really seem like they belonged on the same field. Final score, UCF 48, Marshall 25. Yeah, um, I was lucky enough to get to go to that game. Probably the absolute like worst time bowl game in the history of bowl games. Normally, this when they do these Monday games, it's a week before Christmas, so it's not terrible. But with traveling and stuff for the holidays, it just made it impossible for a lot of people to get there. Uh, the final... Attendance was like 14,000, which was probably like 12,000 UCF fans. Our whole section was full. Like, it really was. Um, Marshall didn't bring a lot of people. And obviously, the rain... I mean, the rain actually wasn't that bad, but it was like pouring when I first got there. Stopped for a little bit and then rained a little bit later. But, I mean, I actually didn't drink because I had to drive all the way back home um, two hours after. But some really drunk people, like, at that point, it really didn't matter that it was raining so hard did have an effect on the game. I would say a lot. It made it difficult to, to pass the ball. There were a lot of slips and drops and uh, I think it slowed down the running game a little bit too. Uh, So let's dive into that. Okay. So the opening drive for Marshall third play, Richie Grant first interception of the season. And of course it's a pick six, Richie Grant returning to his kind of 2018 form, possibly had 10 tackles and a forced fumble on the day. And it was pretty much all UCF after that. From watching at home, what were your kind of takeaways overall in the game? You know, I wasn't too sure what to expect. I didn't know if we were how motivated we were going to be. I agree. Uh, I, I to, like I said to dude. play on a Monday. Yeah. you know, two days before Christmas, and you know, we've been to two NY six bowl games in a row. The standard's so high, and those games are so huge. And then we have to do this thing. It's like, does anyone even want to be there? But we did. Right, and especially a couple days before when SMU got slaughtered by Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic's only conference loss was against Marshall. So that had me a little worried as well. I still went ahead and bet the game. I did too. The minus 17. (laughs) I had to. Of course. But yeah, they just, from the first drive, they clearly did not belong on the same field or had the same talent level. As UCF, Marshall's first five drives ended in a turnover. There what? was the <laughs> there was a pick six, 
And then the very next drive, remember they had that huge pass play? Uh-huh. I think it was Richie Grant punched the yeah, ball out. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, so then they fumbled on that one. And then they fumbled again. Was that the fumble return we had? That was on the punt. Oh. And then we had the fumble return. That was all in the first... Dude, the first quarter over, I was going crazy. And the spread. Um, but yeah, anyway, we came out hot. Um, they really couldn't do anything. Their only points of the first half were that um, the 75-yard interception return. They We shut them out on offense uh, for the for the whole first half. Barnes kicked a field goal to make it 24-7 right before halftime. And we never really looked back from there. Overall couple things that stood out to me uh Dylan had a, a pretty good game considering the rain uh I know it was tough there were some drops uh Jacob Harris like does not know how to run routes in bounds he kept he keeps running out of bounds but maybe he'll fix that or maybe he'll move back to tight end I don't know um Marlin had that beast mode 75 yard touchdown with the two guys just like clinging on to him as he ran into the end zone. And like I said before, Dylan, he had 14 completions out of 24 attempts for 260 yards and two touchdowns. And he took the MVP honors for the game. Although I kind of thought Nate Evans should have had it. He had like 15 tackles or something like that and just played lights out. He had the highest PFF rating of the season with like a 95, I think. And then also he didn't just get robbed on the MVP. Nothing against Dylan, by the way, just, you know, he didn't, I don't know. I thought it should have went to Nate. But he got robbed on that rush at the end, that last play of the game. Dude, that ball was in, man. I'm telling you. And that would have just been an awesome way to send him off as a senior. But, oh, well. It was cool. The run before that was awesome. Uh, what was that like watching it on TV? Or did, did you have the game on still? Yeah, I had the game on. I didn't, I didn't notice it at first. but You didn't realize when, it was him, I'm sure. <laughs> when he got the ball, I did. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that he was in the backfield. Um, And then I really wish... That's very unlike Hypel. I know. Like, did something fun. Like at the very end of the game, you know that normally any other time like that, it would just be a kneel down. Yeah. Even well, the first rush that Evans got, they I, had like timeouts or something like that. The first rush was the awesome one, though. Um, the last, the last one, there was like fifty seconds left, so we had to run one more play. From watching at home, could you hear the like the chants and stuff we were doing to put him back in for the goal line? Could you hear that? I couldn't hear any of the chants, but I definitely heard it a lot louder than it should have been in a 23-point game right, with the yeah. last few seconds remaining. So um, after, so they put him in at first, and that's when everyone went crazy. He had like a 15. He got tripped. He could have taken that to the house. They got him by the shoelace. And um, after that, once we got down, I think it was, um, was it Trillion Coles got down to like the one half yard line maybe? And everyone started chanting, Nate. Nate, 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 and then it just like everyone went crazy when he when hype sent him in the game, and uh, that was a pretty cool moment to to be there for. Do you have any other takeaways from the game? Uh, just wanted to give a shout out to the defense. I mean, they played probably one of the best games that they've played all year. Uh, the turnover margin going back into our favor. You know, probably if it would have just happened a couple games before. <laughs> I know. Uh would have been really nice but um you know what happens i think overall the season was pretty successful 10 wins man whether or not that's up for debate um i don't think it is between me and you 
No, we decided. <laughs> unless you wanted to bait me on that, but I got I, no. I, think... I, I got. I can't talk about this season anymore. I've, I'm exhausted on it. I've exhausted all my opinions. It is what it is. It's over. I, you know, I got one date circle on my calendar, and that's uh, September fourth, Friday night, ESPN, University of North Carolina. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about them um, later, I guess. Actually, no, we can do it now. So, uh, let's talk about a little bowl season recap. Um, the conference overall standings for the bowl game. Do you want to pull that up or me? The SEC finished seven and two, seventy-eight uh, percent win percentage. The American was actually, or no, the Sun Belt went three and two. The American is third place in these standings with a four and three record. That's ahead of the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big Twelve. So, not a terrible bowl season, but. It really didn't feel like we were four and three because of some of those blowouts. And the one that sticks out to me was the the Temple game, the game that we should have. Or sorry, yeah, no, the Temple game, the one we should have been in the uh, military bowl. UNC comes in and it was like like thirty five nothing at halftime. They ended up winning fifty five thirteen. I'll tell you what, man, that freshman quarterback, I can't remember his name. He looked good, and uh, that's going to be a game to look out. I mean, obviously, Sam, Sam Howell. Sam Howell, yeah. That's going to be a game. Obviously, we're all going to be looking forward to the home, you know, the home opener. But this, there's going to be all eyes on us. Like this is a big, big game. UNC's coming out hot. You know, we're still good off a ten-win season and uh, something to look out for. Uh, what were some other uh, conference or just any bowl games that stood out to you this season? I think Florida Atlantic smashing SMU. That was a huge surprise. Even in the bowl pickup, yeah, no, I had SMU winning, and it was one of my more confident picks. Yeah. Later on during the season, I think I said this a few different times, is that our best win of the year was Florida Atlantic. That's sad. <laughs> it It is... When, when it is when you don't look at, really look into it, but look, their comp, their total record for the season was eleven and three, right? Okay. Who were their three losses? I don't know. Us, Marshall. It was us, Ohio State, and Marshall. Okay, that's it. That's not bad, but like, okay, they shouldn't have lost their, to Marshall. What's their best win though? Okay, what's our <laughs> best win? Temple is who I would everyone say. Everyone go. Everyone says, "Oh, well, we, you know, we only lost three games by a total of seven points." Well, who is our best win? I think our best win's Temple. We went on the road into the kind of cold, and we, we dropped like fifty on them. So, I think that's our best win. Well, the but I get what you're saying. The power rating suggests that Florida Atlantic University is our best win. But of the that season. see to me that was like I mean that it was almost it a was home on game. the road. It was like a, it wasn't really on the road though. That's the thing. I feel like we're getting like too much credit for this game. Like yeah, but still, your power I think it's rankings. The, it's the game atmosphere. Your, your little power rankings don't know that like it was more than half UCF people. It's the game atmosphere, though. Yeah, like the game atmosphere was like a home game. I mean, yeah, there <laughs> was. was a lot of UCF people, but it was not like how it is in the bounce house. Yeah, but it was way better than Temple's like empty stadium. I don't. You know. could say the same about Tulsa's empty stadium. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm I don't saying. Know. Yeah, whatever. It just goes to show you that the team feeds off of the fans. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're so much better at home. Hopefully, we can yeah, like figure when out the road. when the stadium's packed. It's just yeah. the road. It's just not the same. I don't. Luckily, know. looking into our conference schedule, I don't have it in front of me. Our more difficult games are at home, so it looks like we're ending up with a favorable schedule this year. Cincinnati on the road. I mean, that's one we had circled from the beginning. That was probably going to be tough. And, uh, oh, man. Again. Yeah, I know. 
Anyway, let's uh, look back and do some superlatives for this season. We're going to do an offensive. Oh, hold on, hold on. I just want to oh. say, like, okay, so if we had beaten Tulsa, right, and we still had lost to Cincy and Pitt, do you think it would have mattered? I honestly, I think we would have been in the same exact bowl game if we would have beat, if no. we actually would have beat Tulsa. No, I think we went, it might have been in a little better one. Like the military bowl, probably. I, I don't, don't think so. I don't know. Because, no, because the opponent. Yeah, it probably would have been the same. But the thing is, is like, like when I'm arguing with people online, like they keep bringing up Tulsa and there's like nothing I can say back to that. So, <laughs> yes, it matters. Um, All right. Season superlatives here. We knew offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, senior of the year, and a rookie of the year. So, you want to go first? All right. So, I'm going to start off. Offensive player of the year. Your offensive player. My offensive player of the year. We need, like, a name for the award. Uh, Like the keg stand. stand standees or something. <laughs> Someone think of a cool name for our awards. <laughs> All right. So, my offensive player of the year. A nightstand. Dude, just a little nightstand trophy. Okay. All right. I like that. All right. The nightstands. If you can come up with something better, though, tweet us. Offensive player of the year for me, the Dylan Gabriel. He had one of the best freshman quarterback seasons in all of the country, not just the conference, not just the state, the entire country. He has yet to throw an interception in the state of Florida. He had 29 touchdowns, seven picks, all seven coming on the road. The kid's a beast. I mean, look at every one of his games. As long as the line held... Now, he got in some trouble when the line wasn't playing very good. Especially on the road. Especially on the road. You know, two games, he got sacked six times each. So that's never good. Yeah, I mean, look, I agree. He had the fourth most passing yards in UCF history in a single season. There you go. That was a stat I was looking for. Yeah, and he's only 120 yards away from being number number two all time, which is crazy. I mean, he's going to break as a freshman. He's going to break all of KZ's records. Well, unless KZ comes back next year, you never know. But obviously without Dylan, our team is nowhere near as good. Um Well, an argument could be made for Mac, but <laughs> it's one of those things that there's no point in arguing it because we we can't prove, I can't prove how good or how not good we would have been. So it's like pointless in talking about. I still think we probably would have ended up with about the same record. I feel like maybe we would have won Cincinnati, but then, like, lost. Ah, dude, I don't know, man. Don't it's know. hard to say. You'll never know. But I just... Third most passing touchdowns in a season for UCF quarterbacks, too, with Dylan. 29. There you go. So, I think for being a freshman, he did amazing under pressure. He grew so much. I mean, yeah. think about, like, his first couple games where he didn't start obviously against FAMU, you know, he was just learning and just watching him grow up and the strides that he made from week one till the bowl game. It's scary what what he's going to do next year. Like yeah. To have an entire off season. I mean, think about it. He went through spring ball and over the summer, it's like, okay. He was yeah, the number three. Right. I'm yeah. probably just going to be, you know, because it was supposed to be Brandon Wimbush. Right, it was, it was Wimbush, it was or, Wimbush Mac. or Mac. The one, one, like one A, one B. Right, in no particular order. And um, for him to to get into the game, 
it's kind of like how KZ, you know, KZ was supposed to just ride the bench behind Holman. Probably redshirt, yeah. For that whole year. So the similarities between Dylan's freshman year and McKenzie's freshman year, they're very similar. In terms of how it happened, yeah. Now, in terms of production, obviously, Dylan blows him out of the water. Uh, nothing against KZ because he was thrown into a brand new team with a brand new system. Like everyone was learning just as much as KZ was. We were able to plug DG into a system that had been here for two years, and it was just a much easier transition. Anyway, so my offensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Gabe Davis. 12 touchdowns, 1,241 yards, uh, the 1,241 single-season record for UCF. He's going to get drafted in probably the first two rounds of the NFL. He signed with, um, what's Jay-Z's, like, Rock, Rock Nation or whatever. Signed with Rock Nation. Like I know they don't just sign scrubs out of uh, out of college. So I think he's definitely got a high draft grade on him. And um, I mean, as much as I could say, I wish we had him for another season. At the end of the day, guy's got to go get his bag. So we wish him the best. All right, who do you got for defensive player of the year? My defensive player of the year goes to Antoine Collier in his junior season. He led the team with four interceptions, along with two fumble recoveries, a sack against USF, which is pretty freaking hard for a safety when we don't really blitz that much. Yeah. Also have five passes def- defensed. Defended? Defended. <laughs> um, hey, defense too. <laughs> five passes def- defended. Really had a breakout year. This kid came onto the scene in his freshman year when he had the game-sealing interception against Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Right, filling in for uh, Kyle Gibson, who was ejected for targeting. He had just an incredible year, and I can't wait to see what he does as a senior. I believe Richie Grant will be coming back. He hasn't announced yet. I think he will. Uh, More than likely, he's going to come back. So with them two at safety, look for them to be... uh, the real leaders on defense. They're going to be one of the best safety combos in the nation, yeah. I think. And, you know, you, you named all the stats for Antoine Collier, but some of the stuff that he did, you can't see it on the stat sheet. He had some of the hardest hits I've ever the seen. The hit sticks, I was going to say. and you look at him. I mean, he's listed at 6'3", 195. That's not a lot of weight. He's a skinnier dude. Like, he's not a 220-pound safety, but he sure as hell plays like it, and I'm really excited yeah. to watch these guys play together next year. I was going to say, he just he hits just as hard as Nate Evans, almost. Yeah. I'd like to see him versus Nate Evans in an Oklahoma drill. I don't think that'd end up good for him. <laughs> no no offense to Antoine, but uh, yeah, no, that's a great pick there. For my defensive player of the year, I got to pick my man, KDZ, Kalia Davis. So he, his year was insane. So he started off as an outside linebacker, but he was recruited as a 3-4, and now we run a 4-3. So he's more of a defensive end. So he switched to defensive end. We had some injuries at D-tackle. So he moved to D-tackle, and he freaking played awesome. He was like the best one on the team, and it's insane because, I mean, think of a linebacker build. He went from that and like actually put on the weight to become a D-tackle, and he dominated. And he only he was only at this position for like half the games this season. So I'm really excited to see what he can do next year with the full season under his belt. And obviously, you know, these awards are doesn't mean everyone else wasn't as good or anything. These are just kind of our personal things, people that stuck out to us. Okay, so Wait, next is Kalia Davis a junior? Yeah. So oh, yeah. so he's gonna be a senior. Gotcha. Yep. All right. Um next up, so we've got our senior of the year. 
All right, my senior of the year award goes to linebacker Nate Evans out of Wagaman, Louisiana, which is pretty crazy because he had like an entire section of fans or friends and family that were just there for him at the uh, bowl game. Oh. Or at, yeah, at Tulane game. game. That was pretty funny. Out of the UCF people, it was like half Nate Evans' family and friends and half actual UCF (laughs) fans, which is awesome. I mean, you know, family's everything, so good for him. So he leaves UCF with back-to-back 100-plus tackle seasons, also led the team in tackles for the last two years, added a fumble recovery. Um against USF, but who didn't have one in that game? Yeah, right? <laughs> um, just a great kid overall. He, I know he does a lot of community work uh, outside outside of football. And like you said earlier when we were talking about Collier, he's one of the hardest-hitting guys in the game right now. I really think he's going to get drafted. He's going to go somewhere. I think so. I, You know, here's the thing. Guys like Gabe Davis, you can see them and clearly tell that they can play on the next level. Not saying that Nate Evans can't. With linebackers and stuff, it's just tough to tell because you don't get to see their straight line speed that much, something that doesn't matter as much in college that matters more in the NFL. I think he will, though. Um, But, you know, really it matters like his combine times and stuff like that are really going to determine that. But dude's just a baller and, uh, you know, wish him the best. It stinks that he's leaving, but we got a lot of other really good young linebackers to step up. And, uh, you know, I feel like we're losing a piece, like one piece out of every section of our team, but we have so many other people to fill in. We're losing Davis, but we have a bunch of great other receivers. We're losing AK. We've got a bunch of great running backs. Evans, linebackers, um, Navelle Clark we're losing, but the rest of them are yeah, still good. But we got to take so it's like, It's like one piece, but like pretty much we're going to be reloaded. Just reload. So, yeah, future's bright, man. Can't say it enough. All right, so my senior of the year is going to be my man, Adrian Killens. He played in every single game all four years besides, obviously, this last bowl game and had, you know, significant playing time all four years. He had 25 total rushing touchdowns, added another eight receivings for 33 total. I mean, he was just a really, really fun dude to watch. And he had that kick return his freshman year, too. I can't remember who that was against. You know, it's fun to watch him grow in front of us. He came in, he was probably like 150 pounds. He put on some muscle, improved every year, and always, always contributed. And one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. Really, really cool kid. And if he's drafted or picked up by the correct team that knows how to use him in the NFL, he'll be really, really good, like one of them gadget-type players. Like, don't run him up the middle, though. Uh, but anyway, so that's my that's my senior of the year. Obviously, shout out to all the graduating seniors. You know, we're really very, very thankful as fans for everything you've done for us for these last four to five years. And, um, you know, wish everyone the best. All right. Last up, we've got uh, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year goes to. And this was a win in a landslide. Tremont Morse Brash, defensive lineman. That's only because we already gave Dylan, obviously, an award. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Nobody gets two awards on this show. What are yeah. you talking about? All right, so Tremont Morris Brash. You know, I thought it was going to take a season or so to get him, you know, ready to be on the field. Coming in with very high expectations, setting the bar extremely high for himself. This is the guy that, in the Under Armour High School All-American game, 
decided. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. He decided to declare uh, or send out his verbal commit and to what school he was going to go to. And he had like three hats in front of him. You know, they always like pick what hat. And uh, yeah. it was the, I think it was the Gators. It was the Gators, and us, and us, someone else. And then someone else. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't remember what happened. He had it in a bag when he said, I'm going to the best school in Florida. And I'm like, dang, I swear, if he pulls out that Gators hat. <laughs> and then he pulled out the UCF hat. And I'm like, oh, let's go. So that was awesome. I think that was pretty cool. I mean, he started off, he played in almost, I think he played in every game. But I think the turning point for his season, really, was when we ran into his dad at the casino in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That's got, that's got to be it. <laughs> um, really, not much else to that story, but he played awesome, and it's it's so cool to see guys like this do so well. Him, Dylan, whoever else, their freshman year, because they're only going to get like exponentially better. Usually, players find their groove. Like Gabe Davis, his best season was his junior year, and he was still good before, but a lot of time, you're either buried behind other talent or you're just still developing so these guys are only going to get better and that just makes me that much more excited for the future um at our school just wanted to thank everyone for putting their bodies out there on the line for our entertainment going to war (laughs) Uh, so we could have something to talk about i really do want to make a one night stand Award trophy. All right. Well, we're, I think you can buy the little plastic ones online. Yeah. yeah. We'll hand them out. We'll send it to oh, you. Yeah, NCA violation, probably. <laughs> I think we'll have to make ourselves like a nonprofit or something like okay. that. Sure. We could be a nonprofit. All that means is all the money we collect, we have to spend. So we just don't profit. Done. Yeah. My whole life is a nonprofit. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that's pretty much what we've done the last two years anyway with the Sea Geek money. Uh, we're actually, we've actually lost money on this podcast. So, uh, yeah. We're not good uh, podcast managers, I guess. But it's been yeah. a lot of fun, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, t-shirts coming soon. <laughs> I said that like six months ago. He's um, on it. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Dude, tomorrow. <laughs> Everything tomorrow. All right. Uh, next up, let's go back to the um, whole college football landscape. Obviously, the end of the season, there's a lot of coaching turnover. The so-called coaching carousel takes a spin. So... Our first kind of impact on this was Lane Kiffin took the vacant old Miss job. He left FAU, and in that, he brought our offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach, Jeff Lebby, who was very, very good to be his OC at Ole Miss, which, congrats, Jeff, that's a huge promotion because he went from you know quarterbacks coach and OC in title but not calling plays to an actual OC uh, under Lane at, at an SEC school, which is a big deal. Big pay raise, huge for him and his family. And, um, you know, sucks he's leaving, but definitely good for him personally. So we got our new offensive coordinator, Alex Galesh from Iowa State. Now, this is a guy that came in in 2015. They only had like six completions to tight ends. And this last season under him, they had 75 completions. We don't. We haven't been throwing to the tight end that much. I feel like that's something missing from our game. The reason we don't is because we line him up as an H-back just to block and do nothing every passing play. So hopefully this guy has some influence on Hypo. The second he was hired, I, I made this huge tweet thread and sent it to him about like all this stuff that Squints told us that we need to do on offense. I'm like, here's what you need to do. Because I looked at his Twitter profile and he like, actually communicated with people like he he clearly like looks at his mentions 
So I gave him a list of stuff like use more motion, use more two running back sets, more screen passes, stuff like that. I'm like, please, please, please. So hopefully he saw that. And um, I mean, even if he did, who knows how much influence he'll have on the offense. But dude was definitely good. And um, also from all the Iowa State blogs that I read, apparently he was like their best recruiter, which is also very helpful. Lebby was a good recruiter, too. Um, so it, it sounds like we got a pretty good replacement. Um, now, here's something to mention of note. I remember when Otis Anderson committed to UCF, his picture, his little headshot on ESPN, he was actually wearing a Iowa State beanie. Huh. Yeah, not anymore, obviously, but hmm. if you go back, I'm wondering if him and Coach Galesh have met before or... If he was the one that recruited Otis, maybe Otis had some influence to Heupel or Danny yeah. White to get him over to get him over here. I don't know. There, Who knows? There's some maybe connection. That, maybe they don't know each other at or all. Or maybe there's no connection at no, all. That's, that's a great, very, very nice observation by you. That was pretty much it. A running backs coach got promoted to assistant head coach. Or I just It was just a title change. Nothing that important. Some other big coaching news. Baylor's head coach, Matt Rule, is the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. This is relevant to us because Hypo has been mentioned on the short list of potential Baylor coach candidates. So I don't think Baylor's going to pay our $10 million buyout, although they did just get five from the Panthers, so it would actually only cost them five net. But I don't think Hype's going anywhere. I'm not really worried about that. And among the other notable coaching hires, Mike Leach, gotta love him, Mississippi State. So the Egg Bowl, everyone's been saying the Egg Bowl, Leach versus Kiffin is going to be something to watch. Although I don't know how it could be funnier than this year's Egg Bowl when the guy scores the game-tying touchdown at the end of regulation and does a dog hydrant pee thing, gets a, gets a penalty, gets it called back, and they lose the game. Like, how stupid can you be? You know what? There's been a lot of tough losses this year. Cincinnati, Tulsa, those are hard. If we ever lose a game on a freaking celebration of a player pretending like he's peeing in the end zone, that would absolutely be worse. Oh, 100%. So, but I'm, I'm a big Mike Leach guy. I like him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. I guess, you know, we haven't talked about the Heisman. Let's talk about that real quick. Joe Burrow, yeah, it's been said a million times that we knocked him into, like, his Heisman whatever, even though they changed the offense a bit. But he did have... You know, it was four touchdowns against us, which were, he only averaged one per game. And after that hit, he had four. So I think we had a little bit to do with it. He won the Heisman by the most significant margin ever. Like he was the most, what's the word for that? Consensus? Yeah, he was the, he unanimous. was, he was the most like, uni- it wasn't unanimous, but it was the most consensus first place votes on a Heisman trophy winner ever, which is insane. His completion percentage is like 78%. NCAA record, like, absolutely insane. And he um, doesn't just dink and dunk either. Like. No, and he's mobile. He moves. He's just good, man. And we saw a little bit of, of that against us. There were plays when, you know, we had everyone covered, and he would use his legs and run for the first down. It was so frustrating. There's so many, like, third and 13s. that I know. It, you can't contain it. You know, when it's that long, it, what else are the DBs supposed to do? Nothing. If we can't get to him from our pass rush, then, you know. And Justin... We, Justin Jefferson too, like ran all over us back there. He's the one. Didn't he have like seven touched or no? He had four. 
I think he had five four touchdown catches. Yeah. Anyway, um, so what do you think about Burrow in the NFL real quick? Do you think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback? I think so. I mean, he's going to go to the Bengals, which are dumpster fire. Yeah, but, you know, they re- they were clearly rebuilding. They've got the quarterback's coach from the Rams. So it sounds like they've got a guy that can at least should. You know, it's not like they've got Jeff Fisher yeah. coaching Jared Mr. Goff. Mr. Eight 8-8. Eight. <laughs> you know, they've got a guy who should know stuff about offense. And just by how good Burrow was, I, I think he'll be pretty good. As long as I mean, you so know, how many wins do the Bengals have this year? One, two, two, I think. <laughs> Dude, right. they beat the uh, they beat the Browns. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I, you know, you put Burrow on there and maybe get like one other piece, might be a six, seven win team. Yeah, which isn't bad for the first year. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good. Uh, I mean, I think the Cardinals were something like five and. What's 16 minus 5? Five, five and 11 or something like that, which is fine. I mean, they were able to move the ball. You start to put the other pieces, you know, around the quarterback once you get them. Uh, and then, you know, the Cardinals should be like 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven this year. So we'll see what happens. I, I wish him the best. I, he's such a likable dude. Like, I wanted to hate him after the game. He was so funny on Twitter about his hit and everything. That it was just impossible to be. And then seeing him do this good, I mean, you really can't help but root for the guy. All right, so let's uh, let's move on and talk about the national championship game that happened about a week ago. LSU defeating Clemson, forty-two twenty-five. Joe Burrow, um, obviously, kind of MVP of the game. He had like another six touchdowns or, or something crazy like that to put him at sixty passing touchdowns on the season. Arguably, the one of the best single seasons ever. For any college football player, Moo, you had you had picked Clemson in that game. I did pick Clemson. You know, I was pretty big on LSU throughout the year. However, I think I kind of overreacted over that one win from Clemson over Ohio State. I thought Ohio State was extremely strong, and as you know, Ohio State was uh, a money move pick. It was a part of my six bowl picks. Didn't win that one, but anyway, so that impre- that really impressed me, and I thought Clemson, you know, flew under the radar for most all of the year, and I thought they could have surprised LSU. I thought the value was on Clemson, but um, they started off good too. I mean, that's what up, I'm saying. It was lo- it was looking pretty good. I was looking extremely smart for the first few minutes there uh, when they got up like ten nothing. Well, then not and, only uh, that, it was it was seventeen seven in the second quarter, and then. LSU had 21 answered unanswered points, which um, LSU being down 10 and scoring 21 unanswered reminds me exactly of last year's Fiesta Bowl. So we'd seen that before, and then they kind of coasted from there on after. Yeah, they were just too much. I mean, you look back at the season now, and I think they LSU, they beat seven of the top 10 teams or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's, and, it's uh, insane. There's literally no one that could say they're better. I mean, sometimes, you know, we have these national champions and, right. you know, they had one loss or a close game they, or something. Right. I mean, a couple close games. This was, this is honestly, this is going to go down as like one of the greatest college teams of all time. Yeah. I mean, I think their closest game was that opening game versus Texas, which was like, I think like 42 35 or something like that. And then, 
it was kind of like, oh, well, it's just Texas, they stink. And I never really even bought into LSU until the Bama game. And when they beat Bama, I was like, okay, th- this team's for real. Like, they're just not putting up all these crazy offensive stats against bad teams. I mean, regardless of what year, a Nick Saban coached Alabama team has a great defense, and they were able to just score at will against them, and that's kind of when I bought in. To your point about Ohio State and Clemson, I agree. Those are both two really good teams. The Ohio State game was the first time Clemson had really been tested all season, and so I agree. When they beat them, I thought they were good, but I just kind of felt that LSU was on another level, and uh, I could have been wrong, but but I guess they proved me right. Uh, what an awesome end of the season, though, and uh, what a great story. Coach O, I mean, he's it's hard not to love that guy, uh, his passion and just everything he does. He, he's a real good guy, so happy for them, happy for Burrow, and uh, crap, what are we going to do for the next eight, nine months or whatever? Probably talk about, you know, who's going to be number one for next year, which honestly, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence is going to be back, ETN, the running back announced, he'll be back. I think Clemson's they're, number they're one. Gonna go, yeah. They're going to go undefeated again and be right in the playoffs again. Yeah, and Burrow will go number one in the draft, and then Lawrence probably uh, next year. I mean, he kind of had an off game, but he played really, really well all season. So definitely nothing to be uh, ashamed of for Clemson. I mean, two national championship uh, appearances and one win in the last two seasons. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. So speaking of, uh, I guess, championship games, Super Bowl coming up in about a week and a half over uh, down in Miami. It's the Chiefs who beat the Titans, uh, everyone's favorite underdog team, the Titans and Derrick Henry. Uh, they were down 10 and then kind of took over on offense, scoring at will, kind of like LSU. And the 49ers kind of whooped the Packers. So Chiefs versus 49ers. I think it's going to be a yeah, high scoring that- game. Unfortunately, no UCF players made it. The only team that could have beat the 49ers, I think, was the Saints, and they just kind of dropped the ball. But uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup for the Super Bowl? It should be a good one. Well, I like the matchup, and it's the matchup that everybody wanted to see. However, the wallet is feeling it a little bit because I was on the Packers and the Titans Don't. Uh, last week. <laughs> so not too thrilled about that. However... No, I think it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty evenly matched game, and I think Vegas thinks the same thing. I think what's the what's the line right now? It Kansas opened City minus one. Yeah, so it opened it even, and then some money came on the Chiefs pretty quickly, and it's at uh, Chiefs favored by one or one and a half, which I I think is fair. You know, I think the Chiefs have one of the best offenses, and the 49ers have one of the best defenses, and then on the other side. Chiefs have a pretty good defense, and the 49ers have a pretty good offense. So I think it's a really good matchup. It should be an entertaining game. I don't see either team winning by more than, like, seven points at the most. I honestly have no idea who to pick. Uh, I know the prop bets are going to be a lot of fun. There's always a bunch to bet on. There's a bunch up there now. They're probably going to add another couple hundred or so. But, uh... I had a few moments to ch- to check it out, and I got one that I have a pretty decent lean on. It's for the uh, you know our favorite, the first first touchdown scorer, sucker bets, which is so always a crapshoot. <laughs> but it's ex- it's very exciting. So I think there's pretty good value on 49ers receiver Debo Samuel. I know they they have Emmanuel Sanders, who's a really good receiver, but 
Debo's come out of nowhere to kind of be like their top target other than George Kittle, the tight end. Yeah, so, and Sanders didn't I even like have De- any catches last game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that's I, I yeah. like Debo Samuel. He's kind of like the poor man's Tyree Kill. I was going to say that. They hand him the ball fast. too, yeah. You know, they're not afraid to do trick plays as well. And uh, I think something like an end around or, I don't know, jet sweep. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But uh, right now, f- for first touchdown, he's favored uh, 10 to 1. So that's pretty good. He's like the fourth or fifth fifth best choice. But um, that's my lean for the early Super Bowl prop bet. Definitely. the um, I think the only thing I would bet right now is the over. It opened up at 51 and quickly moved. I think it's like 53 or 54 now, and it'll probably keep going up. Um, I could see this being like a 35-32 game, honestly. Decent defenses, decent to good or above average defenses, but with this much time to prepare and two really, really, really good play callers slash head coaches, on both sides, I really think they're going to whip out all the tricks and it's going to be, you know, a total score combined between like 65 and 70. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think either team could win. I, It's tough. I mean, I've got, you know, you'd love to see Andy Reid finally get a Super Bowl, but it'd be cool to see Kyle Shanahan redeem himself for, you know, the 28 to three when he was the coordinator of the Falcons and didn't run the ball that much. You know, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, if he doesn't win this, They'll have another chance, but it'd be cool to see him. I mean, he he's the next GOAT is what it seems like. And, uh, you know, Jimmy G just going for his third ring. No big deal. <laughs> so I think it'll be a good game uh, regardless. Nice way to end the football season. Let's uh, switch gears here a little bit and talk about the basketball team. Yeah, so we've gone through a little bit of a rough patch. We started in conference play. We started out 0-4. Had a nice road upset win against Tulane to uh, maybe break out of the schneid there. And uh, this past Saturday, another huge win, the Warren I-4 trophy. Do we get a trophy for single games? Uh, no. no. Well, just for kind of the football game, they hold it. But, no, I think we're, we're crushing them in points. Uh, we had that win at home, came down to the wire, nail-biter there. And then the ladies pulled off the upset the next day over in Tampa, so a war on I-4 sweep over the weekend. So now we're 2-4 and four in conference play, which isn't terrible. Sitting at the bottom is never a good look. Um, I still have my questions about Dawkins, you know. He's been here for, what, now four years or so, and like it seems like he's had like one recruit that we can name out of high school. I, I don't know, but it, you know, maybe this team's uh, starting to mesh a little bit on a two-game win streak. I think we play Wichita State on the road next. So, uh, yeah, you know, um, we've talked about this before. The great thing about basketball is you can be last in your conference and still be in the conference tournament. And if you win that, you can make the NCAA tournament. So whatever, you know. Hey, it's all about getting hot at the right time. (laughs) Yeah. Teams go through rough patches all the time. This is not like college football where perfection, you know, one loss and you're done. Like, yep. Freaking the number one team in the country, Kentucky, a few weeks ago, or man, this is the beginning of the season. They lost to Evansville. Yeah, I remember at home. Well, like and it la- just happens. And last week, every one of the top five teams lost. So this this season's crazy. Filling out a bracket is going to be like next to impossible for March Madness. But you know, you're right. One loss or 
even five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten losses don't matter as much. Um, you got to get hot going into the conference tournament if you're not going to be a uh, a net large bid. And our conference is looking strong again, so we should have three to four teams in the tournament for the second year in a row. So it's uh, it's good. Yeah, a lot a lot of good things. So keep going out to the games, support these guys, and uh, don't throw confetti on the board either. I'm not sure. Like we got assessed the technical the beginning of the USF game because I guess when we made a three, the ki- the students throw confetti, and that point or two could have swung the game at the end. I mean, we only won by one, so let's uh, let's get rid of the confetti. Just be loud. Yeah, I'm I'm very against the confetti. It's not. Necessary. I don't understand it. It never used to be a tradition. I mean, I'm all about making new traditions. That's yeah, it's fun. That's kind of what UCF does, but I don't think that it. It's not celebrating anything good. Like, yeah. okay, wow, we made a three. Do it after the game. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, and I'm sure it's like a pain in the butt for like the 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 janitors and stuff to clean up after the game. Find something else to do that's not going to get technical. Um. Ooh, okay. Going back to football real quick here. The uh, East-West Shrine game was this last weekend also, and we had two players from UCF. We had Navelle Clark, who was getting noticed uh, in practice by some draft scouts that were there. A bunch of good tweets about him and his ball skills throughout the week. And then, did you see AK play in that game? I did, and he had the most targets, the most receptions, and the most receiving yards all out of the back of any player in the game so the guy can shine clearly there has to be a spot on an nfl roster for this kid i I mean there's just too much speed too much talent if you get to get on the ball in open space which somehow we had trouble doing these last few years (laughs) um don't get me started he's a beast that one play toward the end of the game to kind of seal it, uh, he cut across the whole field, had three blockers, and there was, like, one guy to beat. And no, he had, like, seven blockers. <laughs> somehow no one, one blocked guy this beat guy. Nobody blocked. But, but whatever. He looked great. You know, I'm excited. I hope he gets a combine invite. I really, really want to see him get an official 40 time. I think he might break every record. I don't remember what the lowest is. It might be Chris Johnson at like a 425 or 426 or something like that. And I don't see why AK can't beat it. So yeah, it was definitely good for him to show out. When's the combine? It is the week of the 23rd of uh February. Yep. Okay, what else do we got here? Any Taco Fall updates? Um, so was any like leading the all-star voting or something yeah i mean he's only played in like three games but he averages like a point per minute or something which is number two in all the nba and he was number six in the eastern voting but the problem is is that nba all-star voting used to be all fan vote and then because the fans controlled it all and they didn't want someone that only played in two games like taco to actually make the All-Star game. Now it's 50% fan vote, 25% players, and 25% coaches. So even if he wins the fan vote, he'll, he won't get any of the other categories and probably won't make it. But Everyone it just, loves him. It's really, players really cool. I, I don't see why he's not on the roster. I mean, when he's in, he dominates. Like, why not see what he does like against starters, actually? You know, they only put him in when they were up like 30 or down by a bunch. 
he's unguardable. And I, I don't know if you saw, he hit like some hook, nasty hook shot from like 12 feet the other day. So they're starting to use him like not just under the basket. And it'll be really fun once he gets in like actual NBA rotations. I saw that shot, by the way. That was when that was in the G League. Yeah, I know it was. I'm just saying, like he did, he never did that when he played with us. Oh. So he's uh, definitely developing some other skills. Yo, did you know if you went on Fanatics, uh, you can get a custom main Red Claws jersey? I saw that. I, I thought about <laughs> buying one, but I was like, this is gonna be dumb because I'm just gonna end up like not wearing it when he's actually playing for the Celtics a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Thought it was funny. Now that I saw that. Next up, we've got our Fab Five. Little throwback here. We haven't done one of these in a while. Uh, Fab Five UCF Bowl victories. Now that we have five, we can do a Fab Five. Do you want to start? Or you want me to start? Uh, I'll start. So coming in at number five, probably the least impressive. Well, the product on the field was impressive, but the team. The opponent wasn't was the 2012 Beef O'Brady's Bowl held in St. Pete at Tropicana Field. UCF won 38 to 17 against Ball State. I do remember this game. I didn't make it because I had a con- I went to a concert in Fort Lauderdale. What concert? Or West Palm. I don't want to say. Say it. No. <laughs> you got to say it. <laughs> it was Brad Paisley. Oh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. There's a lot of people don't like country, so a lot of people. I feel dumb. I don't know like country artists, but no, that, I feel like that's a popular name. Um, you didn't miss much. What would I? What would have shocked you? I don't know what I said. Kenny like G, Celine Dion, or something. Now I would go to a Celine Dion <laughs> concert. I have a huge appreciation for '90s pop music, as you know. Um, the only thing I remember from this game was that. The Ball State fans, they chirp, or they do some weird, like, bird noise. Like, chirp, chirp, chirp. And it was, like, the most annoying thing. Like, you know how Mississippi State has the cowbells? Yeah. Their thing is, like, a chirp. I don't know if they do it with their mouth or their hands. It was very, very annoying. I think that game was also, like, friggin' 25 degrees. We were tailgating outside of uh, outside of the trop. No, but it was cool. Um, You know, second bowl win. Blake Bortles, MVP, a little preview of the season to come, which we'll talk about later. Um, but we blew him out 38-17. And, uh, you know, at the time, being our second bowl win ever, it was actually kind of a big deal still. Just being there was a big deal. It was only our fifth bowl game ever. So that was fun. All right, number four, keep this one short, is the 2019 Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, not much to talk about because we just did MVP Dylan Gabriel it was very rainy, very wet. Oh, forgot to talk about this before. My Santa costume was a huge hit. That was definitely like you got a lot of TV time. Got a, a lot, lot of. Lot. I was on ESPN three times, and dude, in the fourth quarter when like the game was boring and like no one was cheering or anything, the camera lady just was like posted up in front of me. And like kept putting me on the jumbotron. I'm like, I don't. I'm like out of stuff to do with my hands and my face. <laughs> but it was fun. I was soggy Santa there in the rain. So yeah, good time. So that's our number four out of our Fab Five, the 2019 Gasparilla Bowl. Moo, what's next? Coming in at number three was our first bowl win ever, the 2010 Liberty Bowl against SEC powerhouse six and six that year, Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> No, this was definitely a defensive battle. 
We won 10-6, to the only touchdown being scored by current Saints running back Latavius Murray. Yep, in the fourth quarter. This Georgia team had A.J. McCarron. No, not Aaron, AJ. Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray. A.J. McCarron is... A.J. Green. Yeah. Yeah, that A.J. Green, yeah. A.J. Green, Aaron Murray, and a couple of NFL people on their on their defense, too. We had Godfrey as quarterback, and we basically ran Latavius into the dirt. You know, it was that George offense of run, 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 <laughs> run, 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 three yards each. and Run, run, pass once yeah. in a while. No, that game was boring. We traded field goals back and forth, and then, so it was like six to three, and then we scored the touchdown at the end. Very end. Yeah, six to three in like the fourth quarter. <laughs> but anyway, I Classic. remember me, you, and Pav were watching it at Deco. Yep. That was a good time. Good time at De- <laughs> Deco Lounge. All right. So that's number three. All right, number two. Ooh. I have a lot of influence on this here. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to say number two is the Peach Bowl. How do you feel about that? I would go with that. All right. I, I feel like a lot of people, this is up for debate. Number two out of our Fab Five UCF Bowl victories is the 2018 Peach Bowl in the 2017 season. 34-27, thrilling victory over the Auburn Tigers. It's actually bored stuck at the airport the other day, and I rewatched the whole game because I'm a nerd. And uh, oh, there were so many like little plays and things that happened that I like, completely forgot about. Like um, We almost stopped them at the end. Or Actually, we had a chance to seal the game. And Matty Wright just missed it by a hair, a fraction to the left. That gave Auburn life. We had him down to third down like three times or maybe twice in that drive. And it looked like they were driving down the field, you know, for the game-tying, overtime-forcing touchdown. And I felt like they might go for two at that point. Who knows? And then that one play, man, this last time I watched it, I replayed the final play like four times trying to figure out what happened. And I think... Stidham thought he was running a go route, and he he turned to the post as soon as Stidham released the ball, and that's why no one was there. I had always thought he was just throwing it away, but that never really made sense, and I think that's kind of what happened. But yeah, 2018 Peach Bowl, that's what turned us from, you know, UCF, was that in Tampa or Orlando, to the national champions, the love them or hate them school that everyone, regardless of your opinion, you know who we are. And, uh, you know, the famous Danny White, national champs, undefeated clip that always gets passed around on Twitter. And one of the best weekends of my life. Just an amazing time and uh, something I'll never forget. And a huge bowl win that was just fun to be a part of. Scott Frost coming back to coach us unprecedented after taking the Nebraska job, putting on the black and gold one last time. Uh, what, what are your favorite memories of that game? Well, we saw how much that helped, you know, back in the Peach Bowl this year, or the Cotton Bowl this year with Memphis, Memphis coach Mike Norvell leaving the school and then not coaching the final game. Surprisingly, Memphis actually hung in there. They did. uh, For most of the game. Anyway, but the Peach Bowl, no, it was one of the most special football games that I had ever been to in my life. When they played Zombie Nation, like, oh, the goosebumps. Yeah. Just I I was sitting on the LS or <laughs> I was sitting on the Auburn side, so I could see all of the UCF side just bouncing up and down and the lights and everything. Man, what do I give to go back to that? Yeah, it was pretty incredible. 
You know, and you know, I was sitting, surprisingly, I was sitting by a bunch of Auburn fans, even though I was on the UCF side. Yeah. I was in like the 200 level. Well, the cutoff was like diagonal on the field. Okay. If that makes sense. So we had an end zone and like half of a, or yeah, like I was on like the sideline. You were just, I was like caddy corner to you. You were in the same section. I was just on the other side. Yeah. But no, that, that was awesome. God, I remember that my ex-girlfriend at the time was like, Sean, what are you doing? We got to leave. I literally sat there when the stands were empty, just like staring at the scoreboard, like looking at all the confetti being cleaned up. Cause I knew I'm like, it might not ever get better than this and it probably will. But still just that picture of that just stadium, just empty and just looking at, you know, the stage being taken down. It was just the coolest thing. I was just like trying to enjoy as much of it as I could. And um, we'll get back there someday and we'll actually do better. But this game what it did for us, I mean, we're going to feel the the ripple effect of it for forever. Any other accomplishment we do is because of this Peach Bowl, which I think leads us to our number one. Yes, I was going to say, speaking of paving the way and what led us to this road that we're going down is our number one on the list of Fab Five is the 2014 Fiesta Bowl during the 2013 season, the 52-42 victory over the Baylor Bears. Now, coming into the game, we had an incredible year. I think we were 11-1 or 12-1. Our only loss was to South Carolina, who's ranked number sixth in the country at home when we actually had the lead in the game and we even had a shot to maybe win it or tie it at the end. They gave us absolutely no chance at winning the game. No we were did. the biggest, and still to this day, we're the biggest BCS Bowl back then, but now New Year's Six Bowl uh, underdogs to ever win a bowl game. Yep. Six, to ever win. 16 and a half points. Yeah. I think it closed 17. I just always tell people 17. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, an incredible game. I mean, I wasn't that confident going in. You know, we had been told that we had no chance so much that it like actually got to me. And then we came out and scored and just never looked back. There was a time when it kind of got close, but for the most part, it never really felt like it was. And then, then that was it. It was over. And I'm like, holy crap, Like this school I went to that was like never, ever supposed to be relevant just made the biggest upset in not only BCS history, but we're finally like kind of on the map. And... You know, that's at the time I regretted not going to that game so much, but I literally I had like four hundred dollars to my name. Was like working from week to week, just scraping by, barely paying my rent. I it wasn't even an option. I didn't even have a credit card to put it on. I mean, if I could go back, I would have like begged or made it I guess they didn't even have GoFundMe's back then. But I was so upset because I thought I missed the greatest game in school history. And like you were saying before, it wasn't. It just paved the way for not just the Peach Bowl, but our now sustained success. Three straight 10-win seasons. I mean, who would have thought? Well, the other thing is that we had zero expectations going into the game. It's very different than you know the last two with the Peach and the latest Fiesta Bowl. We knew we were good. Yeah. We knew we were the shit. Yeah. Like, 2012, yeah, we were 11-1, and one, and we knew we were good. decent. <laughs> yeah. But against Baylor and being 17-point dogs... Yeah. No one no one thought we were going to win. Vegas really messed that one up. And you know what was crazy too is like 
And, you know, remember, this is a UCF team that we almost lost to, like, three-win USF. Yeah. And rivalry week, there was no conference championship game. This is a team that the last game we played, we almost lost to a three-win USF team. And we scored, like, 14 points. And we come in and drop 52. Our offensive game plan was insane. It did not look like us. We looked like, like LSU does now or something like that, honestly. Like, we're throwing the ball... Like, outside, run, like, Bortles design runs. It was awesome. And, you know, like you said, we wouldn't be talking about the Peach Bowl or the LSU Fiesta Bowl or anything like that if it wasn't for this game here. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple crazy comebacks that year. We had... A couple? I think that was the year where... Like, every game. Ban- every game, Cardiac Knights were, were born. That was the... Uh, that was the, the year the, we beat Louisville, the, who was number six in the nation the at the 20, time. The twenty-one point comeback on that Friday night. I remember watching that game with you at uh, Leroy Selman's yep. Steakhouse, and uh, there was that one. That was the also the JJ Wharton the Temple catch the against, Temple against Temple. We had to have a comeback in the ice the ice bowl against SMU, where it was like ten degrees. The field was covered in ice. On the road. Oh, yeah. Actually, that was the last game of the season. We were down. Uh, yeah, the last home game we was were down, USF. Dude, we were down like 13-3 or something, yeah. and then we scored 14 unanswered. ton of comebacks. And then the Memphis game where we were down two scores. Oh, that hit, the yeah. stand back hit. Yeah, we were down two scores. We scored a touchdown, and then we kicked the ball off to Memphis by the goal line, and... Recovered a fumble. Stanback absolutely laid out the runner. Pick up and picks up the ball, scoops and scores. That was a crazy season. Yeah. So, like I said, just zero expectations going into it, and came out victorious. What a good. So that to night. me is number one on the list of. I'm glad we're in, five I'm gl- wins. I'm glad we're in agreement on that because without number one, you don't have number two. All right, it's time for our favorite segment. Money moves. Picks of the week. So I just wanted to go over all of my bowl picks. Well, not all of them, but I just wanted to go over my bowl picks from this year. Had a very solid bowl season this year. Went four and two. So the four wins were UCF free, North Carolina free, Iowa very free, and Notre Dame also free. Very four. They slam weren't even cl- slam yeah. dunks, all four of them. Now, what about the two losses? All right, so the two losses. So I also put a parlay on these six games, and the first four were all winners. So I only had two left. The f- the two losses were Ohio State, which I had plus two, and they were up 16 to nothing, and I was, like, already <laughs> counting my money. Yeah, you're like, oh, maybe I should hedge this last game. Oh, my God. And I had to work the next day, too, and I couldn't go to sleep. I had to stay up for the whole thing. Yeah, you had to. That was oh, a great game, though. Lord. Classic. Because I would have hedged Dude, if I, I got to the last game. You know, speaking of that, we should have talked about this earlier, man. They got screwed on that pass completion by Clemson that was stripped. They ran back for a touchdown. And oh, then they, yeah. And then, and then they, they overturned it. Not a catch. Dude, Get out of here. Like, I under, first of all, the call on the field was a catch. There was not, like, indisputable evidence that it was not a catch. If anything, there was more. He took like four steps with it. I know in real time it didn't look like it, but when you slow it down, he clearly took four steps. It's insane. So, yeah, I think he kind of got robbed. But, again, Ohio State had plenty of chances to win that game still after everything, and they didn't. 
Anyways, the other loss was the Florida Gators, who I was very surprised Virginia yeah. was was solid. Yeah, it didn't make sense because that's the same team that should have lost to FSU. Yeah. So anyway. Know. That's football, though, for four, you. Four and two. I'll take four and two. Just not when I have a 16 parlay. <laughs> uh so I was I finished the year disappointing twenty one and twenty five. However, if you add that to last year's total, both seasons combined, I'm still on the side of winning sixty six and fifty eight for the two seasons. That's fifty three percent. So that's deep. That's public right there. is fifty well forty nine. Fl- no, pu- public is like I mean, there's no what is public. Um. I don't think anyone keeps track of that necessarily, but public's got to be like 44 or something. Oh, it's really? Just flipping a coin would be 50, and public's always worse than like 50-50. Right. Because we think. like So that's pretty good. Yeah. 53%, so. especially good. over two seasons. Yeah. Uh, that's a, I mean, that's a solid foundation. Foundation. Yeah. 124 picks. Yeah, it's not a fluke. 53%. That's not a fluke. And after a down year, still at 53%. Right. So, very good. So don't at me with all your, oh, I picked Ohio State and I picked Florida. Yeah. You had all the other games too. So you're either with me in every pick. Yeah, no cherry, don't pick and choose. No cherry picking. Okay, last up we've got two quick question submissions here um from Twitter. I'll go first. This is from Golden Knight 2. Thanks for listening and all your questions throughout the year. Really appreciate it. He said, "What are your thoughts on this basketball team? Were they expected to fall this far?" I know we kind of talked about it earlier, but what do you think? Were they what were they expected? And I mean, I think they were expected to be three quarters of the way at the bottom, not at the bottom for sure. Yeah, you know, there's still a lot of basketball to play, and we still have a lot of games left to grow and for the team to gel. I think, yeah, we got off to a pretty piss poor start, but Say we least. could turn it around. You know yeah. what the great thing is? Is no matter how bad you are in the regular season, even if you don't win a single game, conference you tournament. can still win in the conference tournament and get in the. You can win the freaking national championship. Isn't I mean, it, it's very improbable, but there's still possible. Isn't it nice that a path just exists for every team? It's, yeah, it's so nice. Weird, crazy. crazy. Who would have thought? Um. All right, I'll just do the other one. Last question is from Daniel Walker. What for? And this is a fun one. What former athlete or coach would you name each venue after? The arena, the old venue, the soccer slash track complex, and football. So if you had to name one, like say, just as an example, um, George O'Leary Field or something like that. Um, so he said he asked for four: the arena, the old venue, soccer slash track, and football. Well, it should be the Taco Fall Court at. Edition Financial <laughs> Farina. <laughs> That's good. Right? I'd say... Um, I mean, who else was a bigger basketball influence in UCF I mean, basketball we've had history? a lot of people, like, do more, but no one's as well-known as Taco Fall, but I don't think he's earned that yet. For soccer, it's got to be, you know, Michelle Akers Complex or something. Oh, I didn't even know she was a UCF alum. What? Wait. Yeah, actually, actually, I did. Yeah, you did. Get out of here. It just didn't. <laughs> I didn't recognize first, the yeah. name. Yeah, Michelle Akers. The face. Yeah, I, I see it now. Okay. Football. I would say Frostfield. No. No. 
Um, guy was here for two years. I'm, I know. I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, geez, if you had to give it to someone, I mean, Bortles only played for what two and a half seasons. It's gonna be a coach. All right. Eventually, so George. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he already has a statue. What else does he want? The Hypo House. The Hype House. Uh, old venue. I, we could pick anyone. It could be like the Tosh oh. Center. <laughs> sure. Okay, that was fun. All right, um, last couple of things here. One of our best segments ever. <laughs> Real quick, you know, we should. Well, the thing is, is we don't we don't read the questions ahead of time, so we can give authentic answers. And sometimes we kind of get caught off guard. But that was a great question, actually. Last couple of things to wrap it up. There was rumors going around that we had a huge naming rights deal, like thirty five million over ten years, to rename the stadium roofclaim.com Stadium or something like that. I'm going to try and explain this the best I can. I don't really know exactly what happened. No one does. It's a bunch of rumors. But apparently, the deal was in place, and it either has to get approved by the Board of Trustees or some other board that's above us. Now, remember, we are directly underneath like the state legislature who controls our money and stuff, and they have some influence on certain things. I don't think this is one of them. But what happened was that someone from within us, who was actually a UCF alumni, allegedly, air quotes, Leak this out to someone influenced by an insurance lobbyist, and it all got shut down. I don't know exactly what happened, but that's kind of the gist of it. And the deal, I haven't heard anything since. No one has. So, I don't know, but we just wanted to throw that out there. Kind of a weird situation. $35 million over 10 years, if that's true, would have been like a top 10 naming rights deal in the nation, though, which is insane. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stinks. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, is the deal dead? I, I, or... I haven't heard anything. I don't I don't understand how this works. It's weird political stuff, which I hate. Um, so maybe they're still working it out. I don't know. But, you know, the thing is, when stuff's being worked on, stuff leaks out, and it's been, like, completely, it's like radio dead silence. So I don't know. Um, next thing, Alex Harris, my boy. Congratulations. He just got put on scholarship. Really, really hard working dude. Got his first touchdown this year, and... uh I love seeing guys get put on scholarship. Montalvo got one also. Um, I think there was someone else. Maybe Obarski? I'll cut that out. I don't remember. I think there was someone else too. But it's always good to see these guys. I mean, a lot of them are there paying tuition and busting their butt, waking up at like 5 a.m. for conditioning and practice every day and still having to pay their tuition. And um, it's always nice to see when hard work pays off. So good for him. Uh, You got anything else, Moo? Uh, yeah, just wanted to remind everyone, if you are not on the season ticket waiting list, definitely sign up. I'm not sure how much progress they've gone through or <clears throat> how far down the line they've gotten to, but the season ticket renewals are over for football. Um, so call up the ticket office. Do you have the number? Um, 407-823-1000, extension 1. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, that it was, doesn't work. I phrased that if as it a question. Work, tweet, tweet yeah. them. Cool email they just sent out today to all football season ticket holders. Baseball season is also right around the corner. And uh, if you've never been to a UCF baseball game, they're a lot of fun. Especially, I mean, it's a local kind of thing. I know there's a lot of like weekday games. So if you're in the Avito or UCF area, I know a bunch of people with trucks like kind of make it like a full game tailgate like they just back up to the outfield and woo party out there 
But anyway, for football season ticket holders, they have a special going on right now. The season tickets for baseball are half price, and they're like ridiculously cheap. I was even thinking about buying. They have club seats, which I don't know where the club is, but it's six hundred bucks. But there's like thirty five games. What a deal! So they break they break it down. It's like seventeen bucks a game, and it includes a buffet. And two drinks. Oh, dude, you can't beat that. If like, you're... even if you just go to eat, you could go there and like yeah. eat dinner and have Free two meal. drinks. You can't do that anywhere for seventeen bucks. If I lived and anywhere near, th- game. if I lived anywhere near there, I would one hundred percent have those. Right? Then you're in the club seats. I mean, you know, whining and dining. Yeah, VIP. That's um, where the bi- that's where business deals are done. There you Actually, go. you know what? That'd be great for a business to buy and like entertain their clients. That's smart. Like, yo, I got free tickets. Hey, boom. Dinner. VIP. No, so anyway. That's definitely cool. There's so, my sales pitch. No, so that, that that's definitely cool. Get on that season ticket waiting list. If you can't get one this year, you'll be able to get a seat next year. Or uh, you'll be first if we ever expand the stadium or whatnot. Last thing, too. Shout out to the UCF cheerleading team. National champions. Yet again, very exciting. Just another national championship to add to our athletics, I guess, resume. Um, congrats to them. They do a really, really awesome job. And there's a video of their performance. Um, find it on Twitter. It's going around or on the Facebook group or whatever. All right, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back to you probably in a couple weeks. Hopefully the basketball team turns around. Um, talk about the Super Bowl. We've still got some guys left in the playoffs. Maybe we'll get a little go by UCF Super Bowl. Never know. So, yeah, go Knights. Charge on. Sure. 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 Sure.